Hi, this is Dan Steele with your WASA Signy Die Legislative Report for Monday, March 14th. The 2022 legislature closed up their 60-day session last Thursday, March 10, adjourning about 25 minutes before their midnight deadline. Short sessions are often referred to as do-nothing sessions. However, the 2022 session was no normal supplemental session. Legislators adopted the largest supplemental operating budget and the largest supplemental capital budget ever. And after many fits and starts, a necessary supplemental transportation budget, along with a massive $16.8 billion 16-year transportation package, were ultimately adopted. We don't have the time to provide complete details of the results of this session, so we'll provide some of the highlights and key points. WASA's forthcoming end-of-session report will provide full details of the 2022 Supplemental Operating and Capital Budgets, along with a comprehensive review of the many education-related bills the legislature addressed this session. It will take some time for the dust to settle and complete the report, but it will be emailed to subscribers of WASA's legislative newsletter, This Week in Olympia, and then also archived on the WASA website as soon as it's published. First up is a high-level view of budget action. As mentioned, the legislature adopted the largest supplemental operating budget ever. Senate Bill 5693, as adopted, adds $5.1 billion to the $59.1 billion underlying 2021-23 operating budget adopted last year, bringing the biennial expenditures to $64.1 billion. Policy-level decisions, or discretionary spending, totaled $6.2 billion, along with a $1.1 billion reduction in the maintenance-level spending. These are mandatory changes in the entitlement programs due to inflation, caseloads, or enrollment. This brings the total increase to that $5.1 billion mentioned earlier. New appropriations for K-12 education included our three major priorities and other spending. $347 million is provided for enrollment stabilization as described in House Bill 1590. Enrollment stabilization funding will be provided to the 230 school districts continuing to experience enrollment declines. Funding is calculated using a district's actual 2019-20 enrollment compared to a district's actual 2021-22 enrollment. The difference is then divided by two providing funding to backfill 50% of a district's enrollment loss. $64 million of the total $347 million appropriation is provided to stabilize local effort assistance payments to eligible districts. It's important to note that this total $347 million appropriation is funded with federal funds. The final budget provides $91 million to enhance staffing allocations for physical, social, and emotional support staff as required by House Bill 1664. As we've discussed many times before, these staff are defined as nurses, social workers, psychologists, counselors, classified staff providing student and staff safety, parent involvement coordinators, and other school employees or contractors who provide physical, social, and emotional support to students as defined by the state superintendent. We are disappointed that funding for these enhanced ratios will be phased in over three years 
from the 2022-23 school year to the 2024-25 school year, rather than providing full funding in fiscal year 2023. We are very pleased, however, the legislators finally provided this jumpstart to fully update staffing ratios throughout the entire prototypical school funding model. The third piece of the big three is pupil transportation. We were disappointed that neither House Bill 1808 nor Senate Bill 5581 were able to be adopted. However, proviso language is included in the final budget to reimburse school districts for transporting special passengers. $13 million is provided for this purpose. We'll accept this one-time appropriation and use this partial success as a launching pad to advocate for more aggressive changes in 2023, including a needed overhaul of the STARS funding formula. One of the important changes in the supplemental operating budget addresses the required inflationary factor, that is, the implicit price deflator, or IPD. The underlying 2021-23 budget included a 2% IPD in the 21-22 school year and a 1.6% IPD in the 2022-23 school year. Given the crazy fluctuations in the IPD last year and the projections for the next year, it was clear adjustments were going to be necessary in the budget. After budget negotiations were settled, the final budget maintains the 2.0% IPD in 2021-22, but increases IPD in 2022-23 to 5.5%. It is important to note that this is not a COLA as WA talks about it. Education COLAs were repealed by the 2017 McCleary Solution as a part of House Bill 2242. COLAs were replaced by IPD as an inflationary factor. With the old COLA, all education employees received those raises. The inflationary factor, however, is an adjustment to the statewide salary allocation provided to districts for staffing. WA has made it clear to its members that in order for all employees to receive the full percentage increase, the amounts will have to be bargained to be included in their contracts. Obviously, this will make for another fun spring and summer. Positively, the 5.5% IPD increase also impacts funding for materials, supplies, and operating costs. We've mentioned some positive pieces in the 2022 Supplemental Operating Budget, but the funding for K-12 education is frustrating and disappointing, to say the least. If you look at total funds provided to K-12 education, which includes the $340 million enrollment stabilization, for example, the final budget provides $831 million in policy level increases. Unfortunately, K-12 education has a maintenance level reduction of $920 million, leaving K-12 with a net reduction of $90 million. If you just look at state funding subject to the outlook, it gets even uglier. The final budget provides $433 million in policy level ads subject to the outlook, but there is a $926 million maintenance level reduction, leaving K-12 education with a net reduction of $492 million. So the 2022 supplemental operating budget is increased by $5 billion, but K-12 education receives a net reduction. 
the state's only constitutional paramount duty receives a net reduction in a budget that increases by $5 billion. Think about that for a moment, about the priorities of the legislature. Legislators often like to brag about how much money they provide to K-12 education, and they use the percentage of the operating budget as a standard metric. Understand first that this is a false premise. Ultimately, it doesn't matter if K-12 education receives 5% or 95% of the operating budget, so long as basic education is fully funded. But this is a talking point that legislators like to use, so let's play it out. Prior to 2017, K-12 education accounted for around 45% of the operating budget. In 2015-17, K-12 education was 47% of the operating budget. As legislators ramped up spending to address the Supreme Court's McCleary decision, K-12 education's percentage of the budget grew to 50% in 2017 and 51% in 2018. K-12 education's percentage of the operating budget peaked at 52% in the original 2019-21 biennial budget, but then fell to 51% after the 2020 supplemental budget was adopted. With a net reduction in funding, where do you think we stand now? In last year's 2021-23 operating budget, K-12 education was 48% of the budget. Following the recently adopted 2022 supplemental budget, which increased by $5 billion, remember, K-12 education drops to be 43% of the total operating budget. Let's move on to the capital budget. The underlying 2021-23 capital budget was a historic $6.3 billion package. The final 2022 supplemental capital budget, Senate Bill 5651, is also historic, increasing the underlying budget by $1.5 billion. The capital budget provided funding for several priority items for K-12 education, including $100 million for school seismic grants, $22 million for specific distressed schools, including $13 million to rebuild the Almira Elementary School that was destroyed by fire in October 2021. Funding to design a new CTE facility at the West Sound Technical Skills Center in Bremerton, and over $7 million for school modernization. Unfortunately, even with these positive investments, funding for the School Construction Assistance Program, or SCAP, is reduced, resulting in a net reduction of $85 million for K 12 education capital projects in the supplemental capital budget. The budgets were the major issues of the session, but there are also much activity with bills. Let's just review a few of them that were adopted. House Bill 1699, which allows public retirees to work for a school district for 1,040 hours rather than the current 867 hours without negatively impacting their pension. This bill was adopted on the last day of session. Left for dead, the bill rose from the ashes, providing evidence that no bill is truly dead until the end of session. This bill includes an emergency clause, meaning it will become effective immediately upon the governor's signature, allowing impacts in the remainder of this current school year. House Bill 1878, which requires additional schools to participate in the Federal Community Eligibility Provision, or CEP, 
which allows all students at participating schools to receive meals at no cost. This expansion requires state funds to be provided, and the final supplemental operating budget appropriates $22 million to implement. House Bill 1617, which clarifies that June 19 or Juneteenth is both a state holiday as well as a school holiday. Because a change to bargain school calendars was sure to be a problem, we requested an amendment making the effective date of the bill July 1, 2022, in other words, after Juneteenth this school year. If you've already bargained the day off, continue forward. If you don't have a planned day off this year, you're not required to do so. Senate Bill 5676, which provides a one-time 3% benefit increase to PERS Plan 1 and TERS Plan 1 retirees up to a maximum of $110 per month. House Bill 1732, which delays the implementation of the state's new long-term care program called Washington Cares until July 1, 2023. Some districts started collecting premiums, others did not. If your district began collecting premiums from employees, this new law requires employee premiums to be refunded within 120 days of the original premium collection. There are many, many other education-related bills that were adopted this session, and we'll provide a detailed review of all of them in our end-of-session report. Sometimes being successful in the legislative arena means keeping someone else from winning. We'll talk about a few of the detrimental bills we helped stop this session. Senate Bill 5155 regarding prejudgment interest. We talked about this bill multiple times on these podcasts, so we won't rehash the details except to remind you that this bill could have caused major damage to school districts if passed. The bill moved through multiple gates in the legislative process while we laid down obstacles. The bill eventually made it all the way to the House floor calendar. However, our supporters introduced 16 amendments to gum up the works, with one amendment as a last-ditch effort to remove public entities from the bill if we couldn't stop it. The amendment appeared to have enough support to pass, which forced the trial lawyers who asked for the bill to pull the plug as the bill for them was an all-or-nothing proposition. Senate Bill 5487, which would have provided incentives for small school districts if they voluntarily consolidated. The bill seemed innocuous, but the message about supposed inefficiencies and wasteful spending in small school districts was concerning. The bill didn't seem to excite anyone, but there was also limited opposition. After passing several steps in the Senate, it finally died in the House Capital Budget Committee. Senate Bill 5326, which would have prohibited school districts from contracting for private pupil transportation services if the entity did not provide the same health and pension benefits as school employees. We struggled to fight this back last year, but eventually succeeded. Because it died on the Senate floor, it started the process this session in the Senate Rules Committee, the bill advanced the Senate floor calendar shortly after session started, and new amendments were on the bar. We were reminded key legislators of our concerns, and fortunately they decided to focus on other priorities as the bill never moved forward. All of these bills are expected to be reintroduced next session, however, requiring us to be ever vigilant. 
As this session closes and this podcast takes a hiatus, we want to thank you for listening, but also thank you for your participation in the process. There is clear evidence of the connections and communications school administrators had with legislators. We can't do this work and expect to be successful without you. Now, barring unexpected legislative activities, this will be our last 2022 podcast. Be sure to be on the lookout for WASA's end-of-session report. And one last time, as we sign off, thank you for listening.